0: Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, until further notice, we are not meeting physically in the church building and instead are live streaming our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We hope you will join us either on our website or on our Facebook page for worship. Now, here is this week's message. Well, Good morning. I'm glad you could join us once again. Even though you're joining us online, I'm glad we can gather together to worship and to study God's word. You know, a couple of years ago, right before Troy started school, we took a non-planned family vacation. It was really about a week before school started. What happened was I realized that my life was over, well, as I knew it. You see, Troy had still been young, so we were pretty much able to come and go as we pleased, and I realized that once Troy starts kindergarten, I'm now at the mercy of the school system once again. I thought now that I was an adult, that had been over, that was gone, and I could do whatever I want whenever I want. Just a heads up, the older you get, I feel like the more rules you actually have to follow. And so I ended up saying, Jess, we got to go. I mean, I work on Sundays. Troy's going to be in school for five days a week. So all we have is Saturday. So let's just go have one more trip down there. And so we did. Uh, We took a trip down there to her her granddad's house, like I said, and she'd been so many times before. And when we were heading down there, one of my friends, I, I told them where we were going. They said, hey, we go down there too. I said, let's, that's great. He said, well, you got to go to this one park. Your kids are going to love it. It's it's the best family time ever. And I said, what are you talking about? We said, have you ever heard of Wiki And Jessica's like, yeah, I went." He's like, well, listen, you got to go. You got to take your kids so they can see the mermaid show. They're going to love it. So I said, okay. So I told Jess and we ended up taking uh, the trip to Wiki that day so the kids could watch the mermaid show because his family had so much fun. Well, here's a picture of Troy. Right, he's actually turned backwards. He is intentionally not facing the show because he isn't having a good time. I was on my phone working on my sermon and Daniela was asking to go home. Evidently, his family's idea of a good time and our family's idea of a good time was completely different. And I called him, I told him, I said, look, man, I said, we we just didn't like it. And he said, well, I'm I'm questioning your family's activities. I said, buddy, my family went to Disney World this year. You're just cheap. You know, we just have different experiences and have done different things. And my point was simply, and is simply, that we all are different. We like different things, our families enjoy different things, I know many of you are going to respond today's, to today's message, well, very differently. Some of you are going to affirm it. Some of you are going to amen it. Some of you are going to be very uncomfortable with, with what I want to ask you to do. Because today we're going to talk about another essential of the church, and that is being relationally Connected meaning it's absolutely essential that we are relationally connected as a church. And the only way to become relationally connected, meaning we really know each other, is by being part of a biblical community. And I know this can be extremely challenging, especially with the outbreak of this virus and many of us can't get together, many of us can't leave, our homes. But I do want to remind you with technology, we can connect. And if nothing else, you can just put this and store this message so that when we do connect and we do get back together, you'll realize the importance and why it's so essential that you become a part of a biblical community. Because being relationally connected, as you already know, it doesn't happen through our worship service. Although it can start there, being relationally connected, being a part of a biblical community is when we gather more in circles than rows, when we sit around and really have a conversation and are able to really be authentic with the other people around us. And just for clarity, it doesn't matter to me if you call it Sunday school or if you call it small groups Or you call it life groups. I mean, you can call it all sorts of things. What matters is that we are relationally connected with each other. Where you intentionally gather together in circles and in groups. Rather than just sitting in rows observing somebody else doing something. And because we are all so different, we can assume. Oh, Brian, listen, groups just aren't for me. I mean, I don't need a small group. I don't need a community. I don't need to sit around with a bunch of people and hear their problems, and I don't feel like sharing my problems. You may say, Brian, I don't even like people. I don't want to get close to them. And Listen, I need you to know I completely understand where you're coming from. You see, when I was sitting where you are and my pastor was encouraging me or challenge me to be a part of a small group i mean i I just got so tired of it because every time i said i said listen i've tried it and it just doesn't work for me i say i'm not one of those group type of people because i've tried them And, and the ones they had specifically at the church i was attending attending were small groups that met at people's houses so we didn't have like a Sunday school space that was neutral territory for everyone. We had to just show up at somebody's house. And I have to be honest with you, don't tell anybody, okay? This is between you and me. I feel extremely awkward going to people's homes, especially if I don't know them. But on the other hand, you can't really get to know someone unless you, you know meet in environments like that. And, and so for me, and, and perhaps for you, it's very uncomfortable because people, have crazy house rules. I mean, what if you end up showing up to a house for a small group and they have the no shoes indoor policy? And what happens if I take my shoes off and I don't have those white pretty socks on, I have the gray ones on? You know, the ones you wouldn't wear if you knew you had to take your shoes off? Or what if I have a hole in my sock and I gotta sit around the entire small group thinking about how holy, get it? How holy my socks are. Or, what if people's feet stink? I, mean, I don't know about you, but these are just things that run through my mind. And are they one of these homes that have the, you have to use a coaster before you use the table? And am I going to get yelled at or snapped at for that? I mean, if you do have a house with special rules before you invite people over, just let them know. Or maybe you think like I did, well, I don't really need a group, right? I'm independent. I got this. I mean, I don't really need to share my feelings. I really don't need others to grow. Well, I just want you to know that's not true. And the other excuse, of course, is my kids. I mean, I love and me and my wife are so appreciative when people invite us over with our kids. But we know something that you may not know. My kids are going to break your things. I promise you do, and you will say, well, listen, I have a childproof house. I have grandkids. They're not going to hurt anything. Listen, from experience, I can tell you, they are going to hurt things, and they will break things. So it makes us very awkward when we have to deal with our kids, and we have people's houses. And so I had plenty of excuses on why I didn't want to join one. But I did what my pastor asked. I went to the first one, and it didn't work. We just, we just didn't connect. Went to another group, and just to be honest with you, we were just on completely different uh, levels. They had what I would call higher-level problems. They had uh, just very different problems than we had, and so we couldn't connect with them. It was very awkward, and so it was always super uncomfortable, and I just said, well, groups don't work for me. So I don't know where you are, but if you think any of those things, I get it. Maybe you've tried groups and you didn't like them. Maybe you felt awkward. Maybe you've not tried it because it's super uncomfortable. Or, or maybe you're worried that people are going to ask you Bible trivia or they might ask you to pray. So you, you really don't want to be a part of that. Or, or maybe you're afraid that if you get too close to people, they're going to find out you're not perfect. Or they might see what's truly going on. Listen, i got great news for you. Nobody's perfect everybody's messed up. But I understand if they make you nervous. I understand if you're apprehensive about getting close to people. I understand that. But here's what changed for me, and it came out of a problem. You see, one thing I really wanted to do was to learn and study the Bible in a more verse-by-verse method. And the church, well, They didn't have a group like that. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna start a small group and I'll have people come to my house because then I can control the rules. Then I can tell everybody else to take their shoes off and look at their socks and make sure I have the pristine bleached socks that day. All right, I can control what we study. I mean, if I lead it, I get a say and so I did it. And what we found was we loved it. What we found is going verse by verse really worked for us. What we found is Jessica had a great gift of hospitality, and I I did not. But what we found is together, the group really worked. And we ended up having about 25 people in my home. And I promise you, it wasn't a big home, but we loved it and enjoyed it. And we just cherished getting together. The thing is, the church didn't organize it. It was just a burden, I felt. And I want you to experience what it's like to be a part of a biblical community. I want you to experience what it's like to have these close relationships governed and guided by God's word. And it took me a long time to buy into it, but I promise you, it's worth it. And once you experience those friendships, once you experience that togetherness, Once you experience and learn that other people are struggling in this life like you are in, you're all trying to figure out just how do we follow Jesus the right way? Once you experience that, you'll long for it. And I promise you, there's countless story after story where others have experienced the same thing. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do when when I'm done with this, this message today. I'm gonna ask you to to join a small group. I'm gonna ask you to start one. That's what I'm gonna ask you if you're already a part of one. This is, again, one of those sermons where you may just amen it and say, tell them, tell them, pastor. But just listen, if you're not a part of one or maybe you've fallen off or whatever your situation may be, I want you to be intentional about getting involved in a small group or Sunday school class or start one. You see, having a community or group of of friends to do life with is just a human thing it's common to all of us and it doesn't matter how independent you may think you are we all need community I mean God said from the very beginning it's not good for man to be alone but he didn't just say have a have a spouse he also said to have children to multiply it's not good for us to be alone Psychologists will tell you that we all need friends and relationships or community for companionship, affection, and emotional support. For some of you, affection and emotional support, that just kind of like blew you away. But I'm just telling you there's something healthy about these groups. In fact, there's an entire field called sociology which studies human relationship and the dynamic and the inner connection between it all a book maybe I've told you about before that radically changed uh, my life and I'd recommend reading it. It's called Vital Friends. It, it was written by a, a scholar named Tom Rath and the book came out of the research. They were asked to, to figure out why some people make it out of homelessness and, and other people don't. They wanted to know how can we do something with the people that are homeless? Like what's, what's the difference and what they found? they found the people who were able to come out of homelessness were those with friends because all of us need people to play certain roles in our life and that book explains what those are. In fact, not only are these fields figuring it out and not only did you probably already know what I mean, business is capturing this. After Twitter live-streamed its first uh, Thursday night football game, they said, A fundamental human need for community may be the next big opportunity for marketers. Facebook, a couple years ago, changed their mission statement. And now it says, to give people the power to build community, to bring the world closer together. You see, psychologists and sociologists and researchers and now even businesses are all figuring out something that the Bible told us thousands of years ago. We need others. We need community. You see, Solomon was, well, known as the wisest man to ever live, outside of Jesus, of course. He was given a supernatural gifting of wisdom. He wrote several books of the Bible, and, and one of my favorite books of the Bible was written by him, and it's called Ecclesiastes. If you never read it, I highly suggest to read it because it's such a profound book because to me, it is so funny. Now, I don't think it's meant to be, so excuse my sense of humor, but Solomon is so miserable and he has everything. He's so upset But to all the outsiders, he should have it all. You see, Solomon was the king. He was the highest position of leadership, the highest position of power in his time. He was extremely rich. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines. I mean, if Solomon wanted something, he got it. And he finally realized that all of this stuff he thought and all these things he accumulated, he finally realized it couldn't bring him happiness. And he's so miserable in the book. And I just find it comforting. Because this famous line in there is, everything's meaningless. But peppered throughout, he gives some great wisdom. He talks about why it's important not to be alone or why it's important not to be isolated. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says... Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Pretty simple to understand, isn't it? Two people can do more than one person. And we get that. So 10 people can do more than two people. We do more, we can do more for the Lord together than we could ever do independently. Verse 10 says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and does not have anyone or no one to help them. So he says, if you have others around you, you can have them there in a time of need, which we're going to come to here in a little bit, but others will be there to help you. And pity is the person who goes through a tragedy. Pity is the person who has something happen. Pity is the person that goes through this life without somebody to be there and help them and pick them up and support them. And he says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, that may catch you off guard, but it's, it's not a sexual situation here at all. If you've ever been in survival training or military training, you learn that if you get cold, you have to, to huddle up, you got to get closer, and your body heat with the other uh, person can keep you alive. So he says, more than one, they can comfort each other. In verse 12, he says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three st- strands is not quickly broken. He said, so if you have two together, they can protect themselves. But hey, add a third, whoa, well, add a fourth, Add a fifth, oh my goodness, what can't they do? So Solomon says that we can do more together with others. We can help each other, comfort each other, protect each other. And I bet you already knew this. This isn't new information. I mean, growing up, we learned this quickly because the most important people in our lives We're our friends. Because of our friends growing up, we would do things we would never have thought of without them. And then when we get married, we have a little community of people or whatever that may look like for you. You know, we continue to, to gather together. But you already know, a husband and wife can't survive if they're just staring at each other all the time. They need friends. They need other people to interact with, other people to do life with. We need community. And I bet you already knew this because that is how God created us. Growing up, we are naturally drawn to this. And these other fields are just now figuring out this idea about friendship, this idea about community is something the Bible said we needed long ago. It's just part of being human. See, friendships are important, but biblical community is essential to the Christian life. It always has been. It's always been in the DNA of God's people. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, he, he called disciples to himself. These are the people that would live with him. These are the people he would teach, the people that he would work with. And he had 12 in particular that were his closest followers. We call them the apostles, and that's who Jesus did life with, and this is a person, a disciple, was somebody who did life and learned the life of their master. And while Jesus had 72, again, those 12 were the closest. And after the resurrection of Jesus, he told these disciples, these apostles, to make more disciples. He said, "Make more. Go into the world. Go therefore, of all nations." making more, teaching them how to obey him. And so Jesus walked after he rose again for 40 days. He left them with that command and also told them that, hey, when I leave, go to to Jerusalem and wait. Wait until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And after they were given the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter Peter went outside and preached to 3,000 people. Well, Excuse me, he preached to more than 3,000 people, but 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. It was this big gathering of people. And then they started coming together in biblical community. They started living their faith out together. And from these next couple of verses we're going to look at, we're going to see four things about biblical community. Four things that must be a part of our Sunday school classes or small groups, whatever we may call them look at this acts 242 through 43 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles so number 1 we see they were devoted they were devoted both spiritually and devoted both relationally Teaching and learning and prayer and miracles, that all speaks to their devotion to the spiritual things. That is the things of God. And then the devoted to the fellowship and the breaking of bread speaks to the devotion to each other. You see, they knew something I hope you already know, that it's through our relationship with others that we can truly know God, love God. Get to know other people and love other people. You see, they, this wasn't a casual thing. They came together and met together and, and ate together. Verse 44, it says, And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold the property and possession to give to anyone who had need. So number two, we see, for number one, we see they were devoted. Number two, we see compassion and care. You see, we will have no choice but to show compassion to people we know. Our friends, those who are going through a difficult time, When we have a true, authentic relationship with them, we will have no choice but to show compassion and care. And the reverse is true, is that when we're going through those difficult times, when life gets hard, when life gets messy, the people who we know in those true, authentic relationships that we have built, they will have no choice but to show compassion and care because it's just something that Christians do. It's a natural thing for all of us. Because life's, life's gonna get difficult. And it's in those difficult moments that you're gonna want people that already know you, people that you already have relationships with, people who know what you like, know what you need, and you don't have to say a word because they already know because you're living life with them. See, as pastors, we do our absolute best to give pastoral care. We try our best to meet the needs of the congregation. But for our size congregation, and, and as the congregation continues to grow, we can only do so much. And every uh, parishioner or every church member will get the absolute best care from people in their small group or Sunday school class. People who are loving on them because they know them. People who are loving on them because they know about a need before anybody else knows about it. People who they're already living life with. Look at this, verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So not only were they devoted, not only did they show compassion and care, but they were intentional. They were intentional about their gatherings. Now, perhaps we can't get together daily, and I understand that they were intentional about building a biblical community, and we must be intentional about gathering together because we live in a time where everyone's busy. We all have options. In fact, living here where we live in Conway, we have access to a place I mean, it's right down the road where people spend thousands of dollars to come just for a week. I mean, the options and things to do here are absolutely endless. And so we can all find something to do. We can all go to the river. We can all be busy. We can go to the beach. I mean, there's always something to do. So we have to be intentional. We have to prioritize our biblical community we got to understand, just like we have to work, just like we have to go to work to earn a living, we have to come together in biblical community to grow in our faith. And you already know, no matter how busy you are, all of us can make time for things we believe are important, things we believe are essential. And then number four, look at this. It says Acts 2.47 it says, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, out of their love for each other has the unity they shared with other believers because they came together, they ate together. They were so convinced about Jesus that their ref- life reflected something so differently that the other people around them noticed that something's different. You have a community. You have a group of people. They're not even your family members. And look how you share and look how you love and look how you're there for each other. I mean, people will naturally be attracted to the local church if we do two things. If we love and we are unified. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 17, that's his outreach plan. That's his church growth plan. That a church being unified will bear witness to the world that he exists. And perhaps there's not a more important time in our country to show unity. So daily, meaning as they were meeting together, because they met daily, people were being saved daily. As we meet together, we should be continuing to grow and adding to our numbers because people are giving their life to Christ. That's power a biblical community. But you see, this didn't just happen in Jerusalem. This wasn't just the very beginning, and and maybe it changed over time. You see, later in the book of Acts, we learn about this guy named the Apostle Paul. He hated the church. If you didn't like church, he didn't like it either. You probably have a lot more in common with him than you think. But he, he persecuted the church. He would drag people off if they were claiming to be Christians. Then one day his life radically transformed and he became a Jesus follower. You can read all about his story in the book of Acts. Well, once he did this, he traveled around and planted churches. He went all around the world and told people about the love and the grace found in Jesus Christ. And look at what he says to this new gathering in Ephesus. He says this in Acts 20.20. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. You see, Ephesians is 600 miles away from Jerusalem. And remember, there are no airplanes and no cars. Over 600 miles away, and Paul is still teaching publicly where people are gathering, but also going in the more intimate settings, house to house, teaching them one-on-one. You see, just like Jesus met with a small group of people, a small group of disciples, Paul did the same thing. The early church did the same thing. We aren't meant to just gather for worship in rows. We're meant to gather together in a smaller group to truly talk about, to truly be authentic, truly share with others what we're dealing with, what our burdens are, so we can come together together carry those burdens and help them grow in their faith. You see, it's only through a biblical community can we become relationally connected with others. And you see, Christianity was never meant to be a lone ranger faith. It was never meant to be lived by yourself doing your own thing and while I know people are busy and I know people just say, I'm kind of tired of this church thing but I can be a Christian. You can't teach yourself Unless you have a special revelation from God and you're another apostle, we all need pastors and teachers and Sunday school and other leaders to help us grow. If you're missing out on being a part of a small group or being part of a Sunday school class, you're missing out on an amazing thing in your life. Something that will not only benefit you, but your life and what you've been through and what you're going through can benefit and help others. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, it's just better together. Life is better together. Well, except for strawberry jelly. Anybody like strawberry jelly? Scott, it's disgusting. In fact, grape jelly is the only true jelly. It's in the Bible. I forgot what chapter and verse. But grape jelly is the only true. And listen, I can't tell you why I feel so passionate about certain foods. But to me and to the rest of the world, grape jelly is the only true jelly. So biblical community is kind of like peanut butter and grape jelly. Just goes together. Being a Lone Ranger, isolated Christian, it's like strawberry jelly. It just doesn't work. And right now, of course, you're saying, okay, Brian, I hear you. Biblical community is important. I get that. In fact, I'll go to Sunday school next Sunday. Oh, but wait. And I know, th- this is challenging. This isn't essential, though, so we're talking about it. Although we can't practically come together, many of us have to stay isolated. Many people are in quarantine. Many people just are in an at-risk group. Like, we, we completely understand. I'm not-, I'm not asking you to be unsafe. I'm not asking you to do something that makes you uncomfortable as it relates to the virus. But I do believe this, has, this, this season, this pandemic, has given all of us the opportunity to reflect. I think all of us can truly realize the importance of relationships. I think we're all missing out on that connection and that community and that relationship piece. So perhaps now more than ever, we can really sit back and go, you're right miss it. You're right. I need it. So I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, I want you to join a class. If you're not already involved in a class or perhaps your class can't meet right now for for whatever reason, we know that several classes are still meeting together over the internet. Some classes are are talking about here shortly uh, starting some outdoor gatherings. Remember, it's better connected. And if you need more information about that or, or what that may look like, just email me or email the office and we'll get you any information you need. So I want you to, to join a class and if, if you're not able to because of the internet or, or whatever that looks like, just, just keep this in the back of your mind for later. Keep this in the back of your mind so when we do gather together, you'll sign right up and jump in on a Sunday school or small group class. Or number two, I ask you to start a class. I told you that's when my life changed and that's when I started appreciating them, when I did a class. You see, starting in a few few weeks, I'll teach you how. Starting in a few weeks, I'm gonna take those of you who are interested, those of you who wanna learn about equipping about being a disciple who makes more disciples. Those of you who wanna take it serious and maybe you just wanna learn about discipleship, maybe you wanna be a Sunday school teacher or small group leader, or maybe you already are and you just want some more training. And I would encourage all of you Sunday school teachers to sign up for this. But in a few weeks, I'm gonna start a 12-week discipleship class. Probably gonna do it through Zoom. I'll get you all the details. But if that's something you're interested in, You say, Brian, well, I'd love to do a small group of Sunday school. I just don't know how. I'll I'll teach you. I'll teach you how. I'll show you how. And we're going to go through this together and all learn together. So while you may not be able to attend, while our world is looking so different than anything we've ever experienced, we can get ready for a great period of growth after this pandemic. I do believe that we will experience growth. I do believe that people are gonna be hungry for God. I do believe people are gonna realize the importance of the church. And I do believe not only do you know that, I believe you're gonna share that. And I believe our church is gonna need more Sunday school teachers or more small group leaders, people saying, you know what? God's placed that burden on me. I wanna be a part of that. So let's prepare for it. Let's prepare to grow people spiritually so we can have an impact in this community and beyond. I say all that to say, I know being a part of a small group can be weird. I know it can be intimidating. I know it can be challenging. But all things that are important are a little bit scary. All things that you know have value, we get a little fearful. Remember, you cannot be courageous or bold if the fear isn't present. I ask you to have some courage. I ask you to be bold. And I ask you to step up or sign up. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, so many people are hurting and so many people are dealing with sickness and ailments, whether it's from the virus or virus-related. Many people have lost loved ones. Are not knowing what's next for their loved one. And God, we just ask you to surround them with your mercy and grace. But we are so thankful for Jesus Christ, the author of our salvation. We are so thankful that as Christians, we have hope. The message of Jesus, that although we will die, although our bodies will decay, we can spend eternity in glory with Jesus. Father, I pray that if anybody that hears this message, they don't know you, if they're still trying to figure out what to believe, I pray they will have the boldness and courage to accept your free gift of salvation that's found in Christ. Father, help our church to prepare for the growth that we know will happen. The growth when we come together and interact once again. Father, help those who you've called to be leaders, to lead a small group, to lead a Sunday school class. Lord, I pray your spirit just puts a burden on them. One that they cannot ignore. Father, thank you for the gift of relationships. Thank you for our friends. And thank you so much for our church. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.